You want to find your tribe of raving fans. And that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to explore, plan, and showcase your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and Educator at TacticalProgram.com, Justin Lamb. Hey there, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Digging Deep, where I help business owners build better businesses. And today, I am being joined by Amazon number one bestseller, author, uh, and public speaker globally, um, you know, well, as global as it can get during these times. But uh, thank you, Robert Murray, for joining me on this show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Now, Robert, tell uh, our audience a little bit about you, uh, you know, where you got your start and, you know, where, um, you know, did you arrive to currently pre-COVID? Okay. Uh, great question. I have got a career that people, when I first start telling uh, people where where I where I came from, what my roots are, they kind of scratch their heads and go, "What?" Uh, I started my life as an electrician. Uh, I worked all through my twenties as an electrician, uh, mostly in industrial environments, and worked for a very cool company that kind of taught me a lot about culture and how important culture is, and tremendous opportunities that were made available to me, which I took advantage of. And one of them was to go to night school and, and get my marketing. Um, you know, I got to, got my ended up getting my marketing degree and then worked um, marketing the organization and eventually moved up into, into a general management role. And um, that, that then spawned uh, and, and, you know, I morphed into a bit of a strategy slash culture slash turnaround guy and worked for some you know, large companies in Canada, one of them being TELUS as a turnaround guy, and also finished up my corporate life as a uh, chief customer operations officer in Europe for Vodafone, uh, again, as a turnaround guy. And uh, since 2009, I've been back home in you know, home base, which is Vancouver, and uh, doing culture work, strategy work, coaching executives, uh, you know, writing, speaking, doing a whole lot of uh, things that, uh, you know, whatever my heart desires kind of thing. So, yeah, it's an interesting career I've had. And it's interesting you say, you know, arrived. Um, I always consider like there is no there is no destination for any of us. We're all on a journey, whatever that happens to be. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think the journey is never ending. I tell a lot of mm -hmm. our coaching clients that business uh, and life is an infinite game. So, you know, you either uh, run out of resources and, and uh, stop playing uh, or new people emerge and, and the goals continue to, to perpetuate forward. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so tell me a little bit about, um, you know, your philosophies on culture. I mean, I, I firmly believe that culture is uh probably the heart and soul of an organization. I mean, you know, it is, it's the behavior and lifeblood of it, but, you know, tell me where your philosophies lie. You know, do you believe it's a top-down culture uh, phenomenon or is it a bottom-up? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. My, or my early days as a turnaround guy and my art, the odd startup that I've done as an entrepreneur, again, early days, I used to pay a lot of attention to cult, to strategy and didn't realize the power that the culture has 
for the organization either. And it doesn't have to even be turnaround or startup. It can be a well-established business. You know, Peter Drucker once said that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I truly believe that culture eats everything for breakfast. And in order, and as you said, it's the lifeblood. It truly is the lifeblood of an organization. And if your culture is right, then your organization will treat customers well. If customers are treated well, then the organization will be profitable. And lots of people have you know, said, like Richard Branson once said, that customers don't come first, employees come first. If we take care of our employees, they'll take care of the customers. And Jack Welch has even said, uh, you know, and he just passed away about a year ago, but Jack Welch has said that there's three things that are, you know, to deliver value. One is, uh, you know, employee happiness, customer satisfaction, profit. And, and it's interesting, he said that in that order. So employee satisfaction or engagement comes first. Now, is it top down or is it bottom up? Well, if leadership doesn't pay attention to culture and craft the culture that they want, they will get the culture that they deserve. And what do I mean by that? Culture will happen. It just happens on in and it will unfold. And if it, leadership doesn't pay attention and bring to life things like values and purpose for the organization, and then constantly to be managing and leading that that culture, if you will, then the culture will come from the bottom up and you may not like the result that you get. It could be toxic, it could be schizophrenic, it could be dysfunctional, or sometimes it could be functional, uh, but it really needs to come from leadership and they need to pay attention to it. Uh, just like driving a car, it has to be like, you have to pay attention to it all the time. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I think, you know, in, in, in much like you've alluded, I think having a leader um, doesn't necessarily mean exactly the top, you know, the the, the very head honcho, um, but you have key influencers within your organization and those people are the ones that you need to rally, um, you know, and, and if you're a new CEO and you're entering um, entering a business and you're, you're maybe you're the person to restructuring, you know, you have to battle against what is an existing culture and then infusing your own uh, culture. Now, this is going to be an interesting one because I think there's a lot of businesses who are right now in the M&A, uh, you know, where they're merging and acquiring companies, um, as well as uh, business owners who are, you know, splitting, um, you know, joint partnerships in small enterprise space, you know, where one is buying out another partner um, for, for, their, for their full share and rights of a business. But, you know, what is your take on, you know, how, how should they approach building a culture like i think what should they pay attention to and how you know what are some first steps that you would recommend that they you know consider while you know in that transition period mm -hmm. the build the building block of your culture the key foundational building blocks of your culture is your values uh be it core or be it aspirational. Now, just like a culture will unfold, if you don't pay attention to it, values will also happen if you don't pay attention to them and lead them on a regular daily basis. And uh, values are those, it's like a GPS system that guides not only us as individuals, as human beings, but it guides the organization's behavior, what the organization will and won't do. 
making a value statement or collect, you know, a collection of words. They might go crazy and put them on a sign in the boardroom. They might go in totally crazy and have t-shirts made up. However, most organizations that I see as a turnaround guy and lucky for me, you know, I get to go in and work for these organizations because there's lots of them out there. Leadership doesn't bring them to life every day. They don't catch people living the values. We don't, we don't take opportunities for coaching moments around that. The values of the organization become a magnet for attracting talent. Uh, it becomes a magnet for retaining talent, but it also allows us to move into this, the next building block of culture, which is your purpose as an organization. Like, why do you exist? You can't get there unless you've got the values piece nailed. Yeah, and values are interesting, right? Because, you know, I think at least in the work that I do, and I love your, your, your commentary on this, but, you know, in the work that I, I've seen... You know, a lot of people have aspirational uh, culture pieces, so values and stuff that they want to exhibit. And then there's the existential. Those are the things that currently exist. Um, and and there's a dichotomy because, you know, what I, I often see is an individual who might have a certain value set that exists, uh, yet they, you know, maybe want to have a different one, um, you know, projected amongst, you know, their their consumers. And there's a gap. There's a there's a gap uh, in, in the ability to bridge, you know, who they are and how they react to, you know, their their daily lives and the transactions uh, that don't fit the narrative for the projected, um, you know, the the values that they would like people to perceive from them. You know, mm-hmm. where where do you see sort of that gap, and how does a person bridge that, or is that not really possible to bridge? Uh, no, it, it's, well, first of all, there shouldn't be a gap. The, you know, so there's three different types of values. There's core, which is an organization has brought them to life and they are honored and practiced every single day. There's aspirational. So if you're a new leader going into an organization or you're, you know, whatever it is, you see something you don't like, then you create these aspirational values or, you know, which becomes your aspirational culture as to what you want to see in the future. And then there's accidental values, which just happen anyways, because if no leaders, if leadership hasn't paid attention to it, then the values will happen. The people within the organization will bring their values to life. Uh, and sometimes they're dysfunctional. Sometimes they're toxic. Uh, and so leadership really you can't as a leader have a personal set of core values and then go lead a different set of values. Uh, it just, it can't, you can't do it. Eventually your behavior will be in, in conflict with the values that you're talking about. Uh, so you have to be authentic to who you are. And that's where a lot of leaders get into trouble is that, they try to create what they think the value should be for the organization. And then people actually see what the real values are through the leader's behavior. Um, so, you know, when you talk about the gap, um, I've seen it before, and that's where you have a culture that's really screwed up. The leader has to be authentic to who they truly are. Yeah, no, I it totally, I, I've seen it happen. Um, you know, they, they project, you know, we want these these values, uh, yet 
it's my belief that in order for them to achieve those, you know, projected values, um, that they need to actually put the right people in place mm-hmm. uh, to do so. And, and it has to be um, outside of them because, you know, the authenticity level um, really does affect that, the culture. Like you're going to, inf- your, your life experience aggregated is going to um, run its own course. Our subconscious brain is so strong in that, in that department. Um, but, you know, being able to have those aspirational goals and putting the right people in place so that you can hedge and, and look, beyond your own limitations uh, so that you can live out the aspirational goals, I think is really important. And I think a lot of leaders fail to see that, you know, they, they believe in one thing, um, you know, but they, they want others to believe in, in something else and they're not able to bridge that gap in the small entrepreneurial space. Now, you know, when we're in a large enterprise, you can put those people in place, but, you know, what are some things that you might be able to maybe overcome psychologically, uh, you know, what exercises can a person go and do uh, if they're like a solopreneur, uh, bringing on the maybe the first three to five people, the core of nucleus of a team, you know, how are they going to be able to get out of their own head um, and then be able to put and identify the right people to put into an aspirational goal, you know, um, team? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, as a leader, we have to be in touch with what our value sets are, like what's important to us? What is it that you could absolutely not live without? You know, so if somebody, you know, let's take the word freedom, for example, as you know, because that's one of my core values. If uh, I have found that when I have been in roles throughout my career where I have been absolutely miserable and I, I didn't know why I wasn't engaged, committed, or motivated to be there, I didn't realize until later on in life that it was because my freedom was somehow being taken away. My freedom to, uh, you know, my pre- my freedom to think on my own, my freedom to be able to put my own fingerprints, if you will, on the organization uh, versus times when I had freedom. And that's why I love doing what I do today is because I have that. So we, as leaders, as an example, we we have to be in touch with who we are and what we believe in, what guides us. Then as you build your team, you want to make sure that you are building the team that aligns with those values. They may not have the exact same set of values, but there's an alignment of that. Now, the big question that I always get is, well, how do I know? How do I know what people's value sets are? Well, you have to do a lot of work. And you've heard the mantra many times, I'm sure, is, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Um, the higher slow part, you've got to focus in on the person, who they are as a person versus the skill sets that they bring to the table. And that's the trap that we fall into as leaders quite often. We, you know, we, we, think that we need a new, uh, you know, a new webmaster, for example, in the organization, you know, so we look for the person who's got great skills in that, not realizing that those great skills that this person could be a total jerk, you know, and, and destroy the culture inside the organization, especially if you're small, you can't afford to make those mistakes. Uh, whereas I work with leaders and get them to focus in on who that person really is, find ways to really unpack who that person is. The skills, you can teach all the skills. Um, And there's a long, long list of people available out there that have the skills. But if you focus in on who that person really and truly is, 
then you're going to find that they're going to fit inside the organization. They're going to fit your culture and that you're not going to have to on day 91 or whatever it you know, happens to be, get rid of that person because they turn out to be a total jerk. I love how you embody that in such an elegant way. I think it's really uh, commonplace for the small entrepreneurs, like the, the SME space, they fire, um, they fire slowly and hire quickly. Uh, and yeah. it's been the reaction of, you know, what's going on. And, you know, much like you, I spend a lot of time uh, hiring people on a very, very slow, um, you know, uh, hiring process. Uh, and really, I don't focus on the technical aspects of uh, the work that we do in our production company. Uh, I, in fact, focus solely on the parameters of the individual. So we do the characteristics. Uh, and I don't necessarily run like Briar Mig Briggs test test uh, or other personality tests, but I actually, I give them tasks, um, you know, that parallels to, you know, things that we're looking for in an individual. So, you know, be able to handle pressure. So we'll give them a high pressure situation uh, where they have to perform and we get to evaluate what that looks like, because it is easy, you know, for a person to say all the right things in an interview. Right. And I of think course that's, it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and people, there, there's a whole industry dedicated on preparing people for interviews. Um, and, and so, you know, how do you know what you're really going to get um, and not what somebody's saying? And so, you know, we have ways to, to do that. And I think it really would serve business owners to actually take a step back and look at what are those characteristics? What are the core values that you hold dear and that you want to ensure that you continue to perpetuate throughout the organization, especially from that very small nucleus? Because, I mean, like you said, it is make or break, um, you know, you, you have one toxic person in that, in that nucleus and it can really, you know, it can really crumble your organization. Um, maybe not so much when your organization is really wide, um, but, but when you're really small, I mean, it, it can be detrimental. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, putting the time and effort into creating a good interview process um, and, and an onboarding process to evaluate those skills um, and, and core values early on. Now, mm -hmm. Tony Robbins uh, sort of alludes to uh, if a person's top three core values are very similar to yours, you're going to have a very good longevity you know, relationship. What is your philosophy on that? Or what is your take on, on, on that particular phrase? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, I, I, I've rarely met a leader who hasn't said to me, I'm a really good judge of people. Uh, and I go, okay. And, you know, one of the, one of the leaders that I'm coaching actually right now has a, uh, it's about a 25% annualized churn, involuntary churn. So in other words, it's about one in four people annually, he is terminating. And, and, and he tells me he's a good judge of people. Um, and when I really dig into it and unpack his hiring practices, he hires on skills. Now we think about a candidate you know, that comes to your organization for for the whole process of going, you know, the interview process, hopefully, hopefully they don't ghost, which seems to be a, a, a common thing right now. Um, but they, they have studied your organization inside and out. They've gone into all the social media feeds. They know you as a person because of your social media feeds. They know your organization. They have potentially studied standard interview questions. So when they sit down either in a Zoom environment or face-to-face, -face, 
they check all the boxes and you think, wow, I got a winner here. And so the organizations that have figured out that you hire based upon a values fit, the, the skills will come. Um, they do different things. They stress people out like you, you put them, you said you may put them in high pressure situations. Absolutely. They ask different questions. Like they don't ask, you know, when was the last time that you, uh, you solved a problem or when was the last time you had a, you, you had some type of a conflict in the work. They don't ask those questions. They ask weird questions like um, paperback or hardback. Um, you know, streaming TV services or cable. Uh, they will say things like, describe the color yellow to a blind person. You know, all really unusual questions. And when we are as human beings are stressed, we will go back to our guidance system, which is our values. And you'll start to see answers and you'll start to see logic that is in alignment with their values. So you get a better picture of that. Um, the other thing I find with leaders is that they tolerate values violations. They think, oh, well, this person's got such great skills, but you know, the person's a, is emerging as a jerk that, that you've hired. Uh, they tolerate that. And when we tolerate that as a leader, then that becomes a new set point for your culture. Um, and you're, you can only move as fast as the worst behavior you're willing to tolerate in there. So. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, it is really quite interesting what we're what we as entrepreneurs are willing to tolerate. You know, because we have a fear. We have that fear mm -hmm. of where am I going to find another person who is this talented? And there are so many people that are talented. And in fact, if you have a really good internal training system, you could train that talent. I mean, you know, as long as you had the person who had the right skill set, um, you know, or mindset. I should say that the 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 characteristics uh, that you're looking for, most things can be taught. I mean, YouTube has shown everybody, at least in hmm. in in you know most um, industries, that you can learn pretty much anything by spending a copious amount of time on YouTube. Uh, That's true, <laughs> right? That's true. Um, and everything that you know, you, I, and and all the 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 great um, leaders uh, of of past and present um, had to learn it somewhere, and we. You know, we do it through books, we do it through experience. Um, and so I think the fear is, you know, people um, find it's difficult because for them, it's it's, its own, their own reflection. They're, they're projecting their own pain onto that hiring process. It's, um, it's, it's hard for them, that it takes a lot of EQ uh, and they don't wanna invest that time. So their avoidance to that is, you know, instead rather keep that toxic person so they don't have to go through that whole procedure again to find somebody else. And you know, mm -hmm. that, that in itself, it's a, is a reflection of, of the business owner, um, you know, and not necessarily the employee. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, I'll do some really strange things. Like I've interviewed, you know, pre COVID I've interviewed people in a busy food court at lunchtime. Uh, I've interviewed people where we go outside and go for a walk in the, in the rain. Um, I've interviewed one, I interviewed a person once uh, when we had a fire alarm, we were in the midst of an interview for a senior position and there was a fire alarm in the building and we we're on the 14th floor. I continued to interview them as we were walking down 14 flights of stairs. 
um, you know, by the time we got down to the bottom, this, this person said to me, he said, you're crazy. I don't want to be any part of this organization. If you know, they, you'd like this, this is just too weird. Um, and I went, great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and that shows a level of grit, perseverance, and a level of focus. If a person's able to continue to focus with all the things around them, um, you know, it just and shows the character. So I think that's a really interesting point. Um, much like us, we we send in our production company, we send people uh, out uh, to produce a you know piece, uh, come back and edit in a very short time frame. It's it's like watching Sugar Rush or um, Nailed It. It's it's designed to stress you out. Um, mm -hmm. And we've seen people shine. We've seen people who just break down and cry. Um, yeah. You know, and it's and and. You know, for those people who are listening, it doesn't. It sounds cruel, but it isn't. Um, in fact, it's actually a two-way streak. I've empowered them uh, with a true understanding of who they are, right? And and they'll know, like, okay, well, I maybe don't handle stress as well as I thought I did, um, or I'm not as clear and organized as I thought I am. So I've been able to give them clarity, um, but at the same time, I'm able to cut through um, all the stuff that's on that resume and on that cover letter, and you know, really get to the heart of the matter and really identify who that individual really is. And if that's going to really fit in the environment, right? Because a person can be good under pressure, but they can be a real jerk. Absolutely. And if they're a real yeah. jerk about it, that's not going to do good on a team, especially if you're going to be in a leadership position. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and you know, people have often called my method of, of interviewing cruel as well. And I always look at it from a perspective of, What's more cruel, uh, you know, going, having this discovery right now, or, you know, three months, four months, five months from now, having to terminate the person because they're not a fit, uh, you know, that puts the organization through a whole lot of unnecessary stress, but it also puts that person who's being poor, uh, terminated under unnecessary stress. Yeah, absolutely. And so, for for you, the development of culture is that sort of was that sort of a um, an interest point for you, or was that just you know through experiences that's what you gained, or did you go down the rabbit hole? Because you know some people find it extremely interesting. I find organizational behavior and and uh, personal development and um, psychology really really fascinating. But how about yeah. yourself? Yeah, you know, it was, it was purely accidental. Uh, you got to remember that, you know, you can tell by my gray hair, I'm a bit older. So I came of age as a leader in the in the uh, late 80s and, and 90s, when there was still this sort of leadership mantra that was, uh, let's call it command and control. It wasn't as as command and control as it was pre that time period, but it was my way or the highway. And Culture wasn't a word that was used. Values was never, ever talked about. Uh, and, you know, there was organizations that just clicked and nobody knew why they just clicked. Um, you know, you had leaders that were patting themselves on the back for that. I really came to this realization by accident that in order to fix the organization, I had to fix the culture. I had to fix the team and, and the individuals. And there were some leaders and individuals that were the reason why the culture was screwed up. You know, so as a turnaround guy, I got used to finding them and weeding them out and not truly understanding what 
was the root cause of this. And, you know, eventually I, I kind of figured it out and that's what becomes the thing that I pay attention to the most, be it startup or be it turnaround. Um, Cause then one and only then can you get to strategy. And then once you figure that, once you get that and you get to go to the strategy piece, strategy starts to work. It, it isn't as complicated as, as most strategic facilitators would, you know, would create. It just works because the team gets it. They have a cause, they have a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you have culture as the driving force and you have the right culture, okay, we'll, we'll specify. If you have the right culture, um, it's it's easier because as a leader, as you're sharing, you know, your vision, your, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals, and then, of course, the timeline to execution, you know, people start to draw and, and make the leaps with you. You know, mm-hmm. when you have, uh, when you have a... Um, distracted culture, you know, one that uh, doesn't coagulate in one, one single direction, or, you know, you have um, uh, no culture at all, one that's sort of just forming, they don't necessarily jump the gap where you spend a lot of time in um, discussions that get to nowhere, because it's like stalemate. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I know, from a leadership standpoint, I've entered in organizations sitting on a board, um, and or on a leadership council, and having to uh, heard all the people in one room into one direction uh, and to establish a culture, you know, that is uh, a very difficult exercise on its own. Um, trying to do that day in and day out in a business, really, you know, what you were talking about is you have to be there every single day and you have to do, you have to guide them. You have to reinstate that, um, you know, constantly because it's easy to lose sight of that, you know, when you're in the daily grind, um, as an employee, even as an owner, if you're not addressing it, you're not moving everybody towards that one direction. It's easy to kind of just get that, you know, the blinder off for just a second and you start to go down the road. Um, and it, it's really quite interesting mm-hmm. that, you, uh, that, that a culture fit is, is so important to the direction of which an organization flows. Uh, you know, absolutely. It, it, it's when you get the culture right and and again it's there's no such thing as perfect uh when you get the culture as close to right as you can the organization deals with ambiguity better your organization serves customers better your organization uh, actually becomes self-policing and so you'll have people within the organization that might not even be in a leadership role go to you know joe and because joe was being a, a jerk or something like that they'll police them they'll bring them in line um, and the other thing I've often found with an organization, if you pay attention to it as, as the leader and you, and you do not tolerate values violations is that people will self deselect. They'll see that they're not a fit and, and they'll leave. Uh, and that's, 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 that's one of the best things you can hope for. Yeah. It actually makes firing a lot easier sometimes. Totally. Uh, you know, in our organization, we had the same, we had a person come in and they weren't really the right fit. They had, they, they fit the, the, the job description, you know, up front. they, they had all the skills, but you know, over time, and I believe time sort of unveils a lot of things, um, you know, over a course of eight months, you know, it started to degrade and, you know, and, and for those people listening, you know, don't, 
uh, I'm not at the the school of thought that you fire them right on the spot. I mean, there's room for coaching and people always, you know, evolve and go through their own shit. So it's, it's a matter of being able to coach them and make sure that they're coachable. And if they're not coachable, that's the indication that you really need to have them move on. But in the Mm -hmm. case of our, you know, uh, person who was here, uh, the example that I have, um, the team, you know, helps police that individual. Um, and that individual felt the pressure of what that looked like. And they realized that they weren't a good fit. They actually self-selected before I got to the conversation, um, you know, and and it was amicable. They understood that, you know, what we had as a culture fit was not in alignment to them. And they recognized that. And so, you know, that makes it really powerful that, um, you know, our, our culture here at, at the production side of our, our studio, um, you know, has that and has that self-policing, you know, nature to it. But it is really interesting when you, when you say that it really does resonate. It's like, yeah, people do self-select them out of, you know, out of the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, our podcast usually kind of ends right around the 30 minute mark because I wanted people to do it their uh, net time, the no extra time. Um, so I'm going to have to wrap this up, but I'd love to maybe pick your brain on uh, another topic uh, related to culture and fit another day. But uh, to end the podcast, I always ask my guests, uh, what is a resource uh, or a book that has deeply impacted your career uh, or your path um, that you could share with the audience and maybe that they can go and research and look into? Yeah, well, we've, we've talked a lot about culture, um, Justin, and, and so there's a book that I've, that I've listened to mo- multiple times, uh, and I recommend it to leaders, especially leaders that are struggling with aspects of their culture, and it's called The, the Culture Code uh, by Daniel Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E. Uh, it is a brilliant book. I, I like listening to it because it's story-based and uh, they they explore or the or the author explores cultures across the world, and not just in business but in sports teams. Um, you know, in a, a band of Serbian jewel thieves, uh, the Irish mafia. Uh, you know, so it's it's fascinating look into culture and the building blocks of culture from that perspective. Oh, fantastic! That's, that's the I've one not I read recommend. That book, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up that book because I haven't read that one. Um, you know, and I love reading books about uh, culture and story, especially if they're story based. It's, they're great; mm-hmm. it's easier to draw parallels. So, yeah. if people who are listening here are interested in getting a hold of you, either to do a um, you know talk for them or to even get some consulting done, um, how are they going to reach you? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I did just go to my website, which is www robert-murray and i'll spell murray uh, m-u-r-r-a-y.com so robert-murray.com and they can they they can uh, get to me via email through that and they can also see some of the other things that i do my blogs that i post on a weekly basis etc fantastic and for those people listening you can always look into the description below and i'll make sure that i put a link to that and uh yeah, thank you for tuning in. Robert, thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, I think I could probably talk to you about culture and strategy for hours on end. Uh, but in the sake of time, we're going to have to save a conversation for another day. All right, Justin, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. Thank you again. Have a great one. We want to thank you for listening to the Digging Deep podcast with 360 Media. 
Your time is valuable, and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Titans. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy and find tons of value in. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into business and marketing.